fire like they do from um, the, the world. One of these is on. I'm not sure which one. Can you hear me okay? There's a note to my voice, but. It's fine. How about now? Yeah. All right? All right. Maybe give me just a little bit. There you go. There you go. Pastor hasn't spoken in a while, so he's got to get back into it. Doesn't have the same voice for My point was, uh, Monty, Isaac, and Wyola have got, uh, they're on Holy Spirit fire. I mean, have you felt it? you touched it? The presence of God is in this place. Can I get an amen? amen? If you have, like the last song said, been crying out to heaven, hear us, Lord. Hear us from heaven. I've got good news for you. He has heard you. He's already answered your prayers. It has been a month since I have last spoke to you. Over a month, in fact. And what an adventure. I just want to say a few things real fast. Thank you for all of you who prayed, who texted, who um, were there for us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, all I can really say is it is good to be home. Uh, we are in a new series. Today is the first day of a new series. Brand new adventure for us to travel on. When Moses had spent over a month with God, he finally had the courage to come to God and say, tell me your name. And at first glance, you think it's like one of those stories where you're talking with someone for like you know, a long time, maybe you work with them, a couple weeks go by and you're like, I just been calling him Buddy. I don't really know what his name is. You know, somebody, does anyone know what his name is? But you see, Moses knew God by his title. But in the Hebrew culture, when you ask to know someone's name, you are asking for them to reveal themselves to you on an intimate level. By knowing their name, you knew not just who they were, but who they were to you. And God says to Moses in response to, can you, show me, can you tell me your name? He's all like, no one can see me and live. God testifying that to know my name is to see who I am in all my glory. And so you know the story. We've talked about it a bunch. God comes and he places Moses in the cleft of a rock, covers his hand, and walks by and lets his glory fill the cave. And he speaks his name. It is the name of love and mercy and forgiveness of grace and compassion and law. And when Moses leaves the mountaintop after hearing the name of God, he is literally glowing. Because now he has more than just a how-do-you-do relationship with God. He has an intimacy with God. Anybody here in this place desire to have more than just a how-do-you-do relationship with their God? Do I have anybody in this place who is desiring intimacy with their God? Well, on that note then, this series is for you because we are going through the names of God as seen in the Old Testament. That will be transitioning into Jesus and the seven I Am statements in John. But in the Old Testament, there are usually seven names attributed to God, things that people call to him and realize you are this. The first is usually Jehovah Jireh, okay? Abraham, 
recognizing that God is his provider. He can provide all things. But, but, I thought it appropriate to start with the two first names of God that we find in the Old Testament. Today, we're going to talk about Elohim. Everybody say Elohim. Elohim. Got to get that flim in there. Elohim. Elohim. There you go. Thank you, Jason. And next week, we'll talk about Jehovah. Say Jehovah. That's right. But we go all the way back to Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, to see the first name of God. Why don't we all turn there? Why don't we all turn there? It's something that we have read, if you have been in, as long as you've been in the church, you've heard this statement. In the what? Who? In the beginning, God. That name God, the first time we hear the name of God, it is Elohim. I found two things interesting about their using our first introduction to God as Elohim. The first is this. Elohim is actually a plural indicator. See, it's Allah that is the singular name of God. So you would think, you would think if they're referring to their God, the one God, God Almighty, they would refer to him as Allah. But they use the plural. You know why they use the plural? To represent one God? Well, it's kind of simple. Our God is three in one. And from the very beginning, they're letting you know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are there at the beginning. Now, in the beginning, who? Elohim, God, did what? Created. Created the heavens and the earth. Now we start to get a little bit more about why they're starting to use Elohim. See, the second problem I had, or question I had, with why they use Elohim to describe God is because not only is it the plural, but it's the generic name for God. All God. The uh, Babylonians called Gilgamesh Elohim. The uh, Mesopotamians will call their God Elohim. Or Eloh. 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 All of them. It was a generic. I said, Lord, why are you using the generic name as the very first name to describe yourself to your people? Why not use you know, a more familiar name? A more intimate name? As I read on, it dawned on me. Because he is not just the God of the Jews or the Hebrews. He is not just the God of the Christians. He is not just the God of the Seventh-day Adventists. But he is God to everyone. And he wanted every tribe and every kindred and every tongue and every people to know when you call the name of God, I listen. I'm there. You know you don't even have to believe in God to call on his name? He's still there whether you believe in him or not. He's still trying to come to you. He's still there with you. My Bible says that while we were still sinners, God died for us. So he's letting everyone know that you don't need to call on Seth. You don't need to call him Marduk or Baal. Asherah. Gods of fertility, gods of war, gods of harvest, gods of monetary value. 
You see, I'm going to describe who I am to you by what I do. And so what God, Elohim, decides to do is to create, which establishes him as before every other God. And if he's before every other God, he supersedes every other God. I mean, to get more personal for you, a little more intimate. I can come down here now because I've already had COVID and I got a bunch of eyes. You can't catch anything from me now. The things in your life that you have been setting up as God's. Things that you have depended on to care for you and to fill you and to sustain you. The things that eventually all come up empty. They are all superseded by God Almighty. You no longer have to worry about your bank accounts or your relationship status or your social media status. All you have to worry about is, do I have God? Because he takes care of all of that. He's Elohim, the creator. And if he created for them, then he creates for me now. Can I get an amen? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. God steps into emptiness and brokenness. And it says something fascinating. God, the Spirit of God, hovered over the surface of the deep as darkness covered the world. And God spoke. We know that to be the Father. And said, let there be what, church? Light. light. And it's not creation of light. It's a revealing of the light that had been there for all eternity. So my Bible says in John, when it says Christ was the light that came into the world, he was there at the beginning. He was with God, and he was what? He was God. This is fascinating to me, because what I see here are all three members of the Godhead there at creation. Now, we know he wants to create Adam and Eve in his image, but, but, but here's what I don't get. He could have easily given the plans to one of the angels. Hey, Gabriel. Come over here. These are plans for creating that dwelling place of Adam and Eve. Okay, the earth. I want you to take six days, take some time, do it in disorder. You go take care of it. Take some of the angels with you. Could have done that. So he did to Moses, by the way, to build his dwelling place, right? When he built the sanctuary. But he doesn't. One of them could have come and represent all three. But no, sir. All three are present at the darkness. All three are present at the brokenness. All three are present at the emptiness to form, to fill, and to reveal the light. I'm getting to my first point, so I gotta calm down. I'm just so excited to be back, okay? But God stepped into the empty chaos and forms and fills it with his word. He transforms it into beauty and gives it purpose. And brothers and sisters, he wants to do the same for us. Transform our brokenness and give us purpose today. That's why the creation story is so important. I heard a story about a young boy who goes to his mother and said, Mom, how do we get to be here? How do we exist? And she said, oh, baby girl, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created us in his image. And pass that on so you are the image of God. And he says, that's wonderful. And he walks away and he sees his dad. 
And his dad wasn't, unfortunately, a Christian. You know, mixed marriage. Be careful. So he says, Dad, Mom says I'm the image of God. And he's like, that's ridiculous. We all come from dumb beasts. All right? I'm the ancestor of a dumb beast. You're the ancestor of a dumb beast. We're just from dumb beasts, and that's all we are. And he goes back to his mom, and he's like, Mama, Daddy said we don't come from God, but we come from dumb beasts. And she's like, no, that's okay, son. That's his side of the family. <laughs> what side of the family do you belong to? <laughs> you got the world saying you're nothing but dumb beasts, but my God says you are mine. You come from me. You're a good son. You are somebody. Tap someone next to you and say, I am somebody. I am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Three things to help us remember him, to know him, to claim him as Elohim, the God of creation. The first is this, God speaks creation into us. The second is this, God speaks a filling into us. And finally, God speaks ministry. Somebody say ministry. Ministry into us. Lord, shut this Portuguese mouth and let your voice and your voice alone be heard. We have come today into this place filled with your presence. So that we might see you and know you as you so desperately want us to. And so, Lord, I beg, in this moment, your spirit, your voice, your power be the only thing that touches us today. That you would speak through me and they only hear you. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus. And we all say He is Elohim, and he speaks creation. As we said, all three of the Godhead were represented as Elohim in creation. The voice of God the Father, the Spirit of God the Spirit, and the light of God the Son. All three came into the darkness and the chaos to show us to show us how important we are. I didn't finish it. I said he could have sent the angels to do it. He could have said, I'll step in when it's time to create the humans, but you guys take care of the, the grunt work. But he wanted you to know that even in the pre-stuff, even when fixing the brokenness, even when filling the emptiness, even when bringing light to your darkness, all of God is there for you, is invested in you. It's so easy today to call out to God, don't you care? My marriage is in shambles, don't you care? My kids are sick, don't you care? My bank account is non-existent, where are you God, don't you care? That's why from the very beginning, in the darkest darkness, in the broken, brokenness, the brokenness, brokenness, In the chaos of chaos, God showed up to let us know, I care about these things. I care about the big things, about making you in my image and making sure that you will always be saved in me. But I also care about the little things. Don't you know it's God who put the color on the roses? Don't you know it's God who made the beach a wonderful place to swim? Before pharmaceutical companies came along. Don't you know it's God who put the smell in the forest. And he did it all for you. See, our God wants you to have a life that he created for you. 
and not just any ordinary life, but what kind of life, church? Somebody say abundant. Say abundant. God wanted you to have an abundant life, and so he made an abundant creation. All of him letting you know, don't you ever question how much I care. I'm with, was with you at the beginning, and I'll be with you at the end. If he turned the emptiness and brokenness of what we had into a garden of lush beauty and flowing rivers, imagine, imagine what he can do in your life if you let him. See, this is the crazy thing. When God speaks, everything obeys him. Rocks form into mountains. Droplets of water form into rivers. Grass grows. He tells this tree, go plant yourself over there. And guess what it does? It plants itself over there. All of creation listens except us and the angels. See, I have come to learn that it's not when God speaks into our lives. Because God is always speaking creation into us. It's when we choose to hear him and accept him speaking. God comes to us and says, I see your brokenness. I see the darkness you're in. I see the emptiness you feel. And I'm trying to fill it. I'm speaking filling. I'm speaking direction. I'm speaking light. And we are like, eh, not now. It seems like it would be messing up my schedule. I'm good. When I was a kid, the thing I hated more than almost anything else was when family came to visit. You see, when you move to Hawaii, you realize you have a much larger family than you ever thought you had. Like, if we moved to South Dakota, they're laughing because they just moved here and had 37 visits in a month. You move to South Dakota, nobody cares. They're like, oh, I'll take care. We'll see you when you come back this way. You move to Hawaii. Hey, cousin, yeah, we met that one time at that one thing. You got that place? Yeah. You got a place for me? It's a family would always come, and mom, and the thing is, you know, my mother's a Portuguese mother, God bless her. Mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry about the jeans, but, you know, I warned you. The house had to be perfect, right? Put the towels up that nobody can touch. The white the towels are supposed to be, put the soap in the dish that no one can use. It's soap, it's, no, it's, it, it, but... Why does soap look, need to look like a dove anyway? I don't understand this. Help me, Monty. And all these things, and we'd have to spend a week cleaning and scrubbing and vacuuming and setting everything up for a bunch of people who just roll in, go to the beach, bring sand to the house, and roll out and not even care. So frustrating. It wasn't until just recently when Maddie was coming home. First time. You know, we had college, first quarter. Coming home. And all of us jumping into it, 
cleaning and scrubbing and new sheets and everything to make it look just right for her. And I looked over and there's no complaining. There's no frustration, well, a little bit of frustration, but you know, there's no But we're all engaged. So what's the difference? It's the connection. It's because I love my girl. I want her to come home and see everything perfect. That's how God feels about you. For others, it may have been an inconvenience to spend six days in what he could have spent six milliseconds to do. But all three were invested because they were excited, because they loved us, and they wanted the first thing when we saw, when we opened our eyes as humans, was not to see his great power in creation, but was to see the beautiful world and everything perfect for us. Don't you ever question whether or not God is invested in you. He spent time and detail to create this world for us. I mean, my goodness, if you live in Detroit, I can understand. If you live in, like, Southern California, I can understand. But we live in Hawaii. Does God care? Look outside. For starters, God is a God who speaks creation. And if you listen, if you listen, if you listen, you'll see it's already been there. You'll see that Elohim has been working to help you see the light in your darkness, always. Elohim has been working to help you see the order in your chaos, always. Elohim has been working to help you see life created in you and joy and companionship and identity and purpose and abundance. He's been working in you. All you have to do is open your eyes and accept it. Listen to the word of God speaking in your life. He still speaks. He still speaks. If you've heard his voice lately, let me hear you say amen. amen. Praise God. Point number two. Oh, text I wanted to share with you. You can maybe say it yourselves. But I figured if Elohim is for us, if Elohim is for us, if Elohim is for us, Elohim speaks a filling. Genesis, second part of Genesis, one I want to share with you, is uh, starting in verse 26. It says, so Elohim created man in his own image, in his own image. In his own image, in the image of Elohim, he created him, male and female. Elohim created them. Then Elohim blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Oh, I thought I'd at least get one dude to say amen. Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. See, he called them to two things after he creates them. He didn't just make the earth to be their vacation home. He made it with purpose for them and through them. I think it's crazy 
that Adam and Eve didn't faint when God said that, right? Maybe they were too young, they didn't realize. But they're standing there on top of newly made earth. And how many humans are on it? Two. Dose, right? Adam and Eve. And he looks at them and says, all right, guys, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. And I'd be like, if I were Adam, I'd be like, God, I'm game and all, but that's a lot. I want to give my best shot, but I'm just saying. It seems impossible. But let me ask you something, church. If God has called you to it, can anything be impossible? Can anything be impossible with God? No matter how daunting the task seems, can, can any brokenness be impossible with God? Can any darkness be too dark for God? Can any emptiness be too empty for God? If Elohim has called you to it, he's going to do it in you. And so he comes to Adam and Eve and says, I want you to fill the earth with replicas. Replicas of who, by the way? Of God. Because what were Adam and Eve? They were the image of God. Therefore, when he called them to fill the earth, he was calling them to fill the emptiness in the earth with him, through them. Thank you. Thank you. That's powerful. Do I have anybody in this house today who's feeling emptiness in their life? Who's staring over a chasm and they can't see the bottom of it? Maybe it's the emptiness they feel when they go into work and feel a lack of purpose, a lack of direction. Just feel their days dragging on and on and on. Maybe it's the emptiness they feel in their marriage. The only thing filling what used to be a chasm of love is tension, silence. Maybe it's the emptiness of your bank account. I don't know. But what I do know is this. God has called you, spoken to you, empowered you, Fill the emptiness in your life with Him. With Him. With love. Somebody say love. The joy. Peace. Patience. Goodness, kindness, long sufferingness, self control. No one said self control, Mom. There you go. I had to work on that one. That's my uh, third series this year. Self-control and how to get it. But it's all God. And here's the thing. You might be like, no, no, you, you understand, Pastor. I'm, how can I fill my emptiness with something I don't feel I have? Who called you to do it? Who called you to do it? Elohim. God did. And if God has called you to it, then he has given you what you need to do it. Despite how you feel about it. This is a common theme that we're going over. We've gone over time and time again. But God has said, I have filled you with me. And by the way, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what he did? He filled you with himself. 
Okay? In fact, before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he was there making the way. My Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's filled you. Now go forth and fill as well. I, I'm so proud. I talked about it a little bit at the first service, but of our beginners class. It started out, it's going to be like three people. Okay. And they were, like, you know, so excited to find God. And many of them had said, you know, my sister, my brother, my friend, they could really use this. And so they started sharing Jesus to people who were living in emptiness. And those people started coming and saying, this is, this, this is Jesus? This is Jesus? This is amazing. And they were filled. And you know what they started doing? Going back to their places of emptiness and filling it with Jesus. We found Jesus. Now we're ready to break off that beginner's class into a small group. Now, the enemy's still attacking. He's going to come after you. He's not going to let you just stand there with the water hose and, like, fill it. You have to fill it with the hose of love and Jesus Christ on the one hand and the sword of spirit in the other. I actually, when we have Jesus Christ, we don't even need the sword against the devil. Just a fly swatter. Because it's God who does the work. My point is, my point is, point is, if you are facing emptiness today, fill it with Jesus. More time with him. Fill it with Jesus. More love. Fill it with Jesus. And I'm not saying you're going to wake up overnight and be like, everything is great. Let's be the fool. Let's go get him. <laughs> but what I will say is this. Just like the Lord took his time making the world, it's like the Lord Elohim Walked in and said, yeah, I'll just make the firmament today. You can't even see it. You barely know it's there. But you can't live without it. And tomorrow I'm going to make light and darkness. And the next day I'm going to make the sea. And then the next day I'm going to... So is he working in your life. Elohim taking his time to build everything perfectly. So fill it. Fill it. Keep filling it. Fill your marriages. Fill your workplaces. Fill your bank accounts. You don't got to fill your bank accounts with dollars. You can fill them with Jesus. And he will supply all your needs. Ephesians 2, 17 and 20 says this. Can't read Ephesians 2 from Ephesians 6. Makes it hard. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God and his people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. You see, before Jesus 
you may have been empty. But after Jesus, you became part of a rushing river of the Holy Spirit filling the world around you. Fill him today. Finally, finally, he speaks ministry. He speaks ministry. He spoke the world into existence to give Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve a home. But so much more than a home. He gave them purpose. When we read that um, text earlier in Genesis, not only did he call them to fill the earth, but he gave them dominion over it, he gave them control over it, to watch over it. He gave them a ministry. When he speaks into your life, it's to give you ministry, to give you purpose. When you've been filled abundantly, it's so that you might use that abundance to minister to those around you. Elohim has always given abundantly. But the abundance he gives, once again, is that we might touch others. To a barren 70-plus-year-old woman, he spoke faith through the abundance of her heritage. To an 80-year-old shepherd lost in the wilderness, he spoke leadership by giving him abundantly a nation to lead. To a young shepherd boy, he spoke victory to the abundance of courage that he had gotten through his trials and tribulations. What is he speaking to you today, church? Have you heard him? Listen. Listen, he's speaking to you right now. If he speaks trial into your life, it's for the ministry of strength in faith. If he speaks abundance into your life, it's for a ministry of giving. If he speaks relationship into your life, it's for a ministry of care and witness. What has he spoken to you today? It's not just for you. It's for you to use and to share and to cultivate and to grow. He's made you part of his team. You know, <laughs> coming off this last trip, one of the reasons we went up was um, daughter had a basketball trip. And I've, there been a lot of debates, early debates in the church about, you know, competitive sports being this or that or, you know, the good and the bad. And I saw both of them were up there. We had teams that called themselves Christians who would push people down and kick them when they were down. It was ugly. But I also saw our team who handled themselves with Christian love excellence, but still love. The people who are cheering in the stands, I can't quite speak for. But our team did. And one of the reasons I love what the sports offers, it offers kids who are lost a reason to belong. So many kids, kid after kid after kid, failing in class, unmotivated, undisciplined. We bring them onto a team and say, you got to keep your grades up to be part of this group, to be part of something bigger than yourself. And they do. 
and the rising tide rises all their ships. And they start living not for themselves, but living for each other. Until they become champions. Not just based on what they do on the court, but champions by how they treat each other, how they treat the world around them, how they carry themselves as children of God. It's the ministry God's spoken to them through their sport. I don't know what God is speaking into your life right now, but I'll guarantee you this, it is for your good. Someone say it's for my good. It is for the blessing of others. Someone say it's for others. And it is for the glory of his name. Someone say Jesus. Jesus. Someone say Father. Father. Holy Spirit. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says this. If you have any encouragement about being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make our joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. See, we get selfish when we just think about ourselves. We get selfish when we hold on to the blessings that God has given us just for us. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should not look only to your own interests, but minister to others. Not only is he speaking ministry into your life, but he has given you all you need to do it. So I invite you today, 